the event is over. The stream from California Streaming has finished. The dust is starting to settle. And boy, oh boy, do we have a lot of thoughts about everything Apple just announced at their uh, California Streaming September 14th event. Uh, of course, Matt Gonzalez is here as always every week. Matt, uh, we have so much to get into today, don't we? Oh, yeah. There's so many good things, so many not so good things, but at the very least, there's a lot to talk about. But before we do that, a few uh, you know housekeeping notes. First, we actually have a YouTube channel for this podcast, so I know a lot of you guys are probably listening, um, but... Since we've done the reboot, we've also done a video portion of that. So if you go over to YouTube, search the Apple Circle podcast into YouTube, we have a channel there where we not only have this episode on video, but also we'll have clips. We also have a, a thing that we're trying called Quick Takes, which is basically uh, like, for instance, yesterday, the Apple event, it's Wednesday today. The Apple event was on Tuesday, and we wanted to get some thoughts out really quickly. So it's not exactly a podcast episode. It's just a quick, you know, 10, 15 minute our thoughts as fast as we can do it because this episode doesn't come out until Friday. You, you, I think you get the point there. So there's a lot of content going up over there. So be sure to check that out, especially if you're a fan of watching podcasts instead of just listening to them. So that's, that's available. Also, we have our Apple Circle podcast hotline. So this is where you can ask us questions. You can send in requests, anything you would like to ask us that we will talk about here on the show. You can do that. The number for that is 949-354-3508. That is a Google voice number. When you text it or call it, no one's going to answer on the other side. It just goes straight to voicemail. So you don't have to worry about you know being awkward or anything like that. It, it just goes straight there and we can archive those in and, uh, We'll answer them on the show, which we have one today that we'll talk about probably towards the end. Yeah, so we obviously want to hear from you guys what your thoughts are. We're going to dive into sort of everything today, but I'm really curious to know kind of your thoughts, your reactions, your sort of quick take on this, because everyone seems to sort of have an opinion on how this event was, whether it was great or it was sort of a flop, uh, and we'll get into all that. And I guess before I get into more of my... I don't want to say controversial uh, opinions here, but more of my uh, strong feelings. Let's just kind of go, I guess, in order because we can sort of blast through some of the stuff here that isn't all that important. Uh, starting first sort of with the update to the iPad, we surprisingly got two updates to the iPad. We were expecting maybe just the iPad mini or maybe just the ninth uh, gen sort of regular iPad. And spoiler alert, we actually got two iPad updates at this event. And the first one was the new sort of ninth gen regular iPad. And not really any major design change here at all. Still has the same bezels, still has the same Touch ID button uh, for authentication. Uh, but there was just some smaller under the hood improvements here, uh, like processor upgrade and stuff like that, that just made this a little bit better. Uh, if you're looking to sort of get into the Apple ecosystem and you want to get your first tablet, then this uh, base iPad is certainly the way to go, especially for schools and educational institutions. Um any quick thoughts on this one, Matt? I mean, this is probably the one of the most minor parts of this keynote. Nice to see, obviously. It's nice to see that Apple continues to make this iPad better and better, though it is funny, though, to now see the new iPad mini and the iPad Air and the iPad Pro. This regular iPad certainly is showing its age. Oh, yeah. I, it's, it's a... If you're looking for the best-looking iPad, this is not it. But from a price to performance, you know, comparison, it's it's pretty good. It now has that new camera, like you mentioned. That's one of my favorite things about the iPad Pro, actually, is the uh, center stage ability from the wide-angle camera. But it's like one of those things, like, it depends who you're recommending the iPad to, but I'm glad it exists. It's a good price. There's not much to say there. It's a good update, but you're not really getting excited over this iPad. The iPad Mini, though, that is where I think... Um, <laughs> 
you know, online, I've seen a lot of people get really excited about this, but at the same time, I don't think anyone's really going to buy this thing except for like YouTubers and people on Twitter. <laughs> That's one of the problems with all this is it's very easy to get lost into the echo chamber of the tech Twitter sphere or the Apple Twitter sphere, where it's a lot of people who have very strong opinions on things one way or the other, and you're sort of just trapped in this echo chamber, and that's all you hear. And when you hear everyone clamoring for a new redesigned iPad mini, then Apple releases it, and it seems really exciting. That's great for the enthusiasts and those kind of in the tech space looking to make content, but I'm not sure, like you, that the regular average person who walks into an Apple store looking for a tablet wouldn't necessarily buy the iPad mini. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the redesign. I love the new processor and all the improvements to the camera and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know if this is really geared towards the average iPad buyer. This seems more like an enthusiast product. And like you said, probably more for like the tech heads in the audience. Yeah, this seems like it's the iPhone 13 mini or 12 mini of the iPad world. Like if you go on Twitter, it seems like this should be the absolute most popular <laughs> iPhone or iPad that you can get. And then when it actually comes out, like nobody's really buying it. For me, it, I am one of those enthusiasts, so I'm happy about that. I, I, I want this iPad, but it's very much yeah one of those products. It's also kind of a good thing to also recognize, too, that Apple sort of brought this back to life because it seemed like the iPad mini was sort of dead. I yeah, don't definitely. mean to, to, to be frank. I mean, it didn't seem like it was going to survive another refresh, but it's here. Uh, it does have the A15 Bionic processor, which is super cool to see. It's got, I mean, the usual, you've got camera improvements. Uh, you've got, uh, now it works with um, Apple Pencil, uh, Apple Pencil 2. Um, the one disappointment, though, for me, and I guess there's really no getting around this from Apple's um, kind of point of view, there's really nothing they can do is that I don't think there's a keyboard attachment first party is there because the smart no uh, keyboard is or the magic keyboard rather is just too big for this thing right and there's no smart connector on the iPad at all so even if there was like a third party who wanted to come out with some kind of smart com smart keyboard accessory it would have to work over Bluetooth which those exist or I'm sure they will exist for this new redesign but yeah nothing from Apple themselves that seems it's super small it's like we're back in the netbook territory if you're using this as your main, maybe not even main, but as your, you know, your keyboard that you're typing off emails on. But at the same time, it's like if you want to do that, it would be nice to have that option. Personally, I'm not too sad about it. They did announce the new like folio covers, which as soon as they started talking about that, I, I kind of assumed there was not going to be a keyboard because why would they focus on that? But I guess the one issue, though, with that is, is, you know, this is running iPadOS 15 one of the things that a lot of iPad users have really started to do, at least in the Twitter sphere, again, you're in that kind of bubble, but <laughs> a lot of people have started using like the Magic Keyboard with the trackpad support. That seems like it's basically not going to happen unless you have the Magic Keyboard. Jeez, they have so many Magic names. I'm, I'm getting right all now, confused in my head. The Magic Trackpad. If you're using that with the iPad Mini, then you can get the mouse support, or you know, you just connect a Bluetooth mouse to it. But you're not going to have the all-in-one like trackpad, keyboard, and little tiny ipad mini so it's like kind of we're go, we're back into is this a computer is this a tablet it seems like obviously the ipad mini is very much a tablet but then it runs the same software as the 12.9 i think we're making it more complicated than it really is but yeah it'd be nice if they had like feature parity between all of them yeah, I think if you're a fan of like small iPads and like the iPad mini is your jam and like that's the form factor you want, then this is 
by all accounts, a really great upgrade. It's substantial. You're getting the better processor. You're getting all the improvements with the design, Touch ID built into the power button. Um, I mean, I can go on and on here with the specs of this thing. I mean, the larger screen, USB-C, everything seems a lot better about this, and by all accounts it is, but I think that if you're not a fan of that size, then it's not going to be totally useful. Like, for me... I'm not sure if it's the screen size is the issue. I have the 11-inch iPad Pro that I like a lot, and like I think that I'd rather have the larger screen. But for me, kind of like you mentioned, uh, the lack of that Magic Keyboard support is a big deal, and that's a deal-breaker for me because maybe I'm a edge case, maybe I'm weird, but I use my iPad Pro 95% of the time docked into that Magic Keyboard with the trackpad just because it's so convenient and so easy to open it up and type a script out or use the trackpad, and I really like it. I, I don't want a MacBook Air. I don't want a, a Mac laptop to bring around with me. I love the iPad for its flexibility and portability, but I do really love that Magic Keyboard. And again, not Apple's fault. This is just a new device. It's a little small, um, but that lack of first-party keyboard support and trackpad support uh, is sort of a deal breaker for me. But again, I'm not a huge fan of that, you know, 8.3 inch size. So maybe obviously I'm not the target audience for this, but someone out there, I'm sure one of you guys out there or multiple uh, viewers out there, uh, you're really excited about this. And this is probably a really big deal. And for that, I'd say great, go buy it and uh, enjoy it though. It definitely is priced appropriately. It's not, it's not cheap. Yeah, that was kind of the other I was going to ask you is what you thought about the price. So it's four ninety nine starting. I spec'd out the one that I want, mm -hmm. which is two fifty six with five G, uh, and that was around seven ninety nine, I believe. And I was like, ooh, that's a tough pill to swallow for an iPad Mini. So yeah, I'm gonna get one. Uh, like I said, I'm this is a product I'm excited for, so I'm gonna be getting one. It's just which one at this point am I going to get? And the reason I'm getting one is because I have very specific use cases that I can see this working in my particular life for. So for instance, like Alexa and I like to go camping and we use an iPad right now as our kind of navigation in our car because it just works off road. I've talked about all the things that I've done to make that work before, but the iPad is a perfect thing for that. But the iPad I have is just too big. So I want something small that really fits in the car well iPad mini is perfect for that. I also like to fly my drone. Having a nice big screen for that that isn't, you know, an 11-inch tablet, iPad mini is perfect for that. So I have these, you know, use cases that I would really love to have this iPad mini for, but um, I don't really know where I was going with that. I'm excited for the iPad mini, although that price, that's what we were talking about, the price. It's, it's a tough pill to swallow, yeah. I mean, especially, too, when you spec out a, a version that you want, $799, you could have a nice spec'd out iPad mini, or that's entry-level 11-inch iPad Pro territory, exactly. too. And I'm sure we can discuss this maybe in this podcast or another episode or whatever. iPad Pro versus iPad mini, not a whole lot of substantial differences. I mean, off the top of my head... ProMotion, you have obviously a different camera setup on the iPad Pro. You'd have to sort of compare the, what is it, uh, the M1, obviously, versus an A15 Bionic. Yep. There's some benchmarks there that have to be uh, kind of made and comparisons that have to be made there. Um, but I think you're getting overall a really great package, but it's just sort of, again, how much you value that form factor, because obviously you're paying a premium for that smaller iPad, especially if you spend $300 
I guess, you know, there's an argument to be made and some decisions to be made. Is that $300 better spent going to an iPad Pro? Do you get much more value with uh, versatility with the cameras and the screen and the accessory market? Or are you better off going with an iPad mini and sort of sacrificing some things to get that form factor? That's just a decision you're going to have to make as you buy it. Though I am just really happy, even though I'm not going to buy it, I'm glad that the new iPad mini exists. I'm glad Apple has continued to put some R&D money and some marketing money into this lineup and continuing to make it better. And it's nice, at the very least, just to have the option. Yeah. And, you know, we've been talking about this for a little while now, but I think as we move on now, we're going to talk about the other things that they've done. It's kind of telling that the iPad mini is one of the most popular announcements from this uh, event, because as we talk about the rest of the things, this is where we start to get into surprise slash disappointment slash everything was just a mess in our heads as we were watching this event territory. So what do you want to talk about first? Let's just go to the, the uh, Apple watch. Yeah. I mean, that was the next step in the event. I think we just got to start with that and I will, I'm going to reserve my thoughts. I'm going to let you go first because I have some very strong opinions. So let's just, yeah, we'll, we'll just talk about what it, what is the Apple watch? So we have the Apple watch series seven and on first glance, you might, uh, (laughs) you might be tricked into thinking not much has changed. Now, technically, There is a full redesign here. It is a new case. It is a new screen. We have a bigger screen, but it's not what was rumored at all. Like the rumors here were completely wrong, which man, I I can't remember the last time where the rumors were that solid beforehand, where it is completely different. And not only is it completely different, there was no hint that it would be Mm -hmm. what we got. Now, is that to say that the Apple Watch Series 7 is a bad device? I don't think so at all. It's still going to be an excellent watch. It's just it's just not at all what we were expecting. But the the main like the main features here, it is a slightly new design. It has a bigger screen now, so it's about 20% bigger than the Series 6, so you're getting much more of an edge to edge. I believe I believe it's a 1.7 millimeter bezel, which is I mean, when you look at it compared to the Series 6, it is a noticeable difference. So I'm excited to try that out. Um uh, they didn't really talk much at the actual event about what was new here, but since the uh, event, you know, we've learned a, bit, a little bit more. So there is an S7 chip, so that is updated. Um, it's still the same, 32 gigabytes. There's now a USB-C fast ch- charging cable that comes in the box. So that was another thing we've talked about. It's fast charging, 33% faster. Um, no new health sensors. It's really just that slight design change and a bigger screen. That's really the main things here. The question is the thoughts here because, you know, the expectations going in were one thing and now we got something else. So I'll just let you go. I know you have a lot of thoughts on this. I have so many thoughts on here. Uh, I've heard so many wild conspiracy theories about this, which I'll come back to in a second. Um, But first, I want to say I'm a little critical of Apple, but I'll push that to the side for a second. This is not Apple's fault on face value. This is the problem when you get attached to leaks and rumors and when, again, you get into that echo chamber and you watch a lot of content and read a lot of articles about this and you believe them and you believe that that's going to be the case. This is what happens when you let uh, rumors and leaks influence your opinions and your emotions and your buying decisions and then you're disappointed when Apple didn't promise something they never intended to promise originally. Like, Apple never said this was what was going to come. They never leaked it themselves or previewed anything. They didn't say anything, and this is just what they had. Now, whether this is what they had planned all along, I don't know if that's the case. I'll come back to that in a second with a lot of other things. Uh, But I just want to make that clear that this is not Apple's fault. This is the fault of listening to leaks and rumors. And my 
frustration and criticism of the Series 7 uh, comes from a place of maybe being a little too into the rumors and leaks. And I will say, in that defense, uh, this was from multiple people. This was not just John Prosser. This came from Ming-Chi Kuo as well. I'm sure other sources here, but Ming-Chi Kuo is a very credible analyst. He predicted a redesign as well. And then, of course, to John Prosser's point, he also mentioned that he thought it was a Series 7, but it could have been the Series 8. So you could blame multiple people here, but let's just take this all with a grain of salt. We all know that these are leaks and rumors and none of this is finalized, so I don't think you can really get mad at anybody, but uh, if you did listen to credible analysts and rumors and leaks and stuff like that, you were led to believe a Series 7 redesign was going to be coming and going to be a really big thing, especially when you look at the track record of the Apple Watch, where you had three designs from Series 0, Series 2, Series 3 that were the same, 4, 5, and 6 were the same, it would make sense, logically, that Series 7 was going to be a big deal. It was going to be a major redesign. And Apple even said, this is the next generation of the Apple Watch. And in my opinion, this is not it. I love the Apple Watch. I've had an Apple Watch on my wrist since the very first day they came out. I'm wearing one right now. I have a Series 5. I love it a lot. And yes, I was very, uh, very much looking forward to a major redesign of the Apple Watch. And I think that this larger screen is nice, but the lack of any other substantial features is really weird to me. And even what we're learning about the Series 7 chip is that it is technically a Series 7 but the performance improvements don't really seem to be there. There might not be really any major changes here to the actual processor on the ch um, the processor itself in the Apple Watch and stuff like that. Uh, and I guess one of the questions for you, Matt, is I've heard theories here, and this is just, again, speculation in the echo chamber on Twitter, that possibly there was a bigger redesign coming with the Series 7, but last minute due to production issues or one reason or another it was scrapped apple had to go back to the drawing boards make something happen and make something work really fast they tweaked the series 6 chassis and thus was born the series 7 which looks very similar but just has a larger display do you think that apple was intending to do something different with the series 7 and something happened that just sort of caused issues or do you think this is what we were going to get all along and we were just listening to the leaks and rumors, they were just plain wrong and we were sort of led astray from what was actually going to be uh, announced all along. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. It's There's so many ideas and theories of what could be happening. You know, it kind of makes sense. We got that rumor a few weeks ago at this point that there was going to be major delays with the Apple Watch Series 7. And it seems like that's still happening because they didn't actually announce a, a, a release date for this. They just said later in the fall. Mm -hmm. Now... That's a good that's a good question. Was that because this is what they were planning and the delays are because of this watch or was it because they really were going to have bad delays with this watch and they said, "Okay, let's just see if we can retool the machines we already have. It's going to be a slight redesign, but we don't have to redo everything because it's still, you know, very similar and then we can make it work and that's just going to take us a few extra months or whatever." I don't know. I don't know which way to go on that. There's another part of me that thinks you know, Apple lately has been really trying to crack down on these leaks to the point where they've been, you know, threatening and even taking legal action against some of these people that are leaking. So part of me thinks like, what if this was just a fake leak? Like maybe, sure, I'm, I'm sure at some point they made this watch mm -hmm. for real, like it was a prototype. But what if that was just intentionally put out there for the for, for so many people to report this leak as real? I believe there is a real product out there that Apple created that someone that works at Apple leaked, and it is something that exists. 
whether or not that was ever their intention for it to be the series seven, I don't know. It's, it's one of those, uh, we're in theory land at this point. What do you think? I mean, yeah, we, we were definitely going down a rabbit hole of speculation. So I'll make that clear, but a couple of things, the one, I guess the one thought I have is I understand the idea that maybe this is a false flag, that Apple is sort of trying to flesh out the leakers here and trying to get uh, to the bottom of who's leaking this information, which is evident again with the iPhone 13, which we'll get to in a second. Um, That makes sense, I guess. But the other thing I think is that if this was really the Series 7 all along, then why are there no other major changes? The processor isn't any different. Um, We're not getting any major health features. The whole theory behind the Series 7 was that there are going to be no major health improvements or processor changes or stuff like that because the design is getting significantly retooled and it's going to look radically different. And that sort of made sense. The way that it was presented in the keynote and the way that it's sort of been highlighted in They've been very vague about information, like they didn't talk about the processor. There's no mention of the processor on the website. Later this fall, why is it delayed? That sort of makes me very suspicious on what was originally planned for the Series 7. And I understand the idea that maybe there was some sort of last-minute issue with the production and they retooled things, though— Apple, as we know, works very hard, uh, very hard. Apple works very far uh, ahead on things, and obviously they do work very hard on things as well. So I can't imagine that a couple of weeks ago when we heard about these delays that Apple sort of scrapped everything and redid stuff. I don't think that would have happened. I think that the decision was made one way or the other months and months ago on what was happening, because even if they were deciding to retool the Series 6, that would still take some time to... um, redo the screen and the casing and stuff like that. There was still a uh, time that went into that. So I don't know if this was a last minute change, but the other sort of uh, e- evidence that sort of leads into this theory that maybe there was some kind of uh, change at some point was the fact that there were these delays and the Apple watch is shipping later this fall. But why the whole reason we heard that there were delays with the production was that the new case was too complex to produce and it was having um, some slowdowns with manufacturing. If that's not the case, which it doesn't seem like it is because the screen is a little bit bigger, the casing is still pretty much the same. What happened? Why is there a delay if this was the Series 7 planned all along? I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Was there really that big of a deal and that big of a difference here just because the screen got a millimeter bigger? Well, I mean, even though the, the case doesn't look that different visually, it is still a completely new case. So... That means they do have to retool all the machines. They have to create the new molds. They have to do all the castings and everything like that. So even though it doesn't look quite as complicated as if it was a completely like completely different design like we were kind of expecting, that, that still does mean they have to change the production line and update it and make it work for this new Apple Watch. So I could see there still being delays. I just don't know what the delays would be. Like They make new designs pretty frequently. Like What would be different this year that would make the Apple Watch harder to produce? That I, I'm not really sure. Um, yeah. Well, let's say, let's just, okay, so that's what it is. We know the rumors were all over the place here. Let's talk about the actual watch, though. We were both saying that we were going to get the yeah. Apple Watch Series 7 when we were anticipating it to be this new design. Now that we have what we have, are you still going to get one? I'm very much on the fence. I think at this point, my best answer I can give you is I'm going to get one, and I'm not sure I'm going to keep it. I'm going to take advantage of Apple's fairly generous return policy, try it out for two weeks, I think you get like for 14 days, and just see if it's worth it or not. I'm on the Series 5, so 
there is a two-generation gap there that might make it a little bit more worth it. Um, and I do want to see the larger display. But in terms of features, I've had no issues with battery life on the series. Well, battery life is degraded, but that just kind of happens after you use it for a couple of years. So battery life is still okay. Processor is still plenty fast. Uh, I still have the 44-millimeter display, so it's still pretty big. Always on display is great. For me, there's not a whole lot of compelling reasons to upgrade to the Series 7. I think I'm going to try it. I'm not sure I'm going to keep it. The one thing we did talk about yesterday and kind of one reason why I might make the plunge is just to try a new finish. So I've always tried aluminum. Um, I kind of wanted to dip my toe into the stainless steel water and maybe try that uh, because I've never tried that before on an Apple Watch. That would be really the only reason for me to upgrade, but that is not Series 7 exclusive. I could try a stainless steel Series 6 or another series. So that's kind of besides the point. But for me, I want to try it. I want to see if that larger display is noticeable, if the battery life is better and the fast charging is really worth it, then maybe. Uh, I guess it also depends how much I can uh, get if I sell my Series 5. Um, but in my seat as a Series 5 owner, I am skeptical, but not optimistic. Yeah, I, before I was really excited, and now I'm not quite as excited, but I think I'm still going to upgrade. You're on the Series 5, like you said. I'm on the Series 4, so I don't have the always-on display. Uh, I have the ECG, but I don't have any of the new health features. Um, my watch has held up pretty well. It, it, it still works perfectly fine. The only issue is every once in a while, my side button will stick, which is, you know, I use that for Apple Pay all the time. So my Apple Watch Series 4 is, you know, it, it's held up pretty well. It still does everything well. The battery life is, I, surprisingly, I haven't noticed a big degradation there. I can still easily go like, at the very least, a day and a half with an exercise session in there. And that's pretty good for how old this watch is. The only issue really that I have is occasionally the side button sticks, which is annoying because i use it for apple pay all the time but every other everything else pretty much works and it it is scratched pretty bad but that aside i was expecting to upgrade this year so i'll probably still update because i was i was on that that path this is a series four that's a few generations old i've been saving my money to actually get the new one but i'm in the same boat as you i have the aluminum right now i'm going stainless steel i was debating going titanium but the titanium although the the material is nice it looks very much like the aluminum watch to me. And if I'm spending that, that much money, I want it to look a little different because other like, what's the point other than that? Yeah. And I think, too, you're on the Series 4. I think the Series 4 makes a lot of sense. That is a great generation update, too, because you're getting basically three generations of improvements. You're getting that larger display. I think if you have a Series 4 or a before generation, then you're really going to enjoy it. Series 5, I don't know, maybe, depending on your use case. Series 6... The only reason you'd want to upgrade from Series 6 to Series 7 is really for that larger display. And again, it's one millimeter difference. So before, just to give some context, when we went from the Series 3 to the Series 4, you went from a 42 millimeter large size to 44. So you went up two millimeters. So I'm not sure if the difference here is going to be that drastic here on the Series 7, but as soon as we get it on our wrists, we will report it to you. And again, Apple is extremely vague on when this is coming. Later this fall could mean November. <laughs> yeah. December, who knows? Yeah, who knows um, what it means. And I do want to mention to Matt before we kind of wrap this up because I don't want to complain. Also, let me just make it clear. I don't mean to complain about the Series 7. I Again, this is a uh, my own pity party because I got too much <laughs> in leaks and rumors, so I fully acknowledge that. But just goes to show that you can't make your decisions based off of leaks and rumors and what could or could not come. Maybe something more comes with the Series 8. Maybe one day we'll learn the story of what happened to the prototype Series 7. But That'd be interesting, um, yeah. Maybe that's <laughs> a, a story for another day. I do want to mention, though, before we kind of move on here, Apple is still selling the Series 3. 
which I will put in the same bucket as the Apple TV HD, two devices that Apple still sells for ridiculous prices that you should not buy. Do yeah. not buy an Apple TV HD. It's stupid expensive for what you get. Do not buy the Series 3. The Apple Watch SE is much better or even buying a used uh, 5 or 6. I mean, there's many other products you could buy and many uh, better ways to spend your money than buying a Series 3. I don't know why Apple keeps this yeah. around. It seems what like they just your... want to keep one lower-end model, but... Yeah, what is your thoughts of why they would keep it around? I understand keeping the lower price, but that's what the SE is, I thought. That's that's exactly what I thought. I was just going to say, I think that it's much better for the Apple community if Apple just has the Apple Watch SE as the lowest cost option. Because it's still then, you get the larger display, you get the redesign, um, and you basically get a much better watch than what you'd get with the Apple Watch Series 3. So I don't know why the Series 3 continues to remain sort of in the shadows there just sort of uh lagging around behind the rest of the competition and just kind of still there uh, at apple but uh, i just think that it's one of those things that is on the apple website that you should just not buy skip over the series 3 there is no compelling reason in 2021 to spend the money on the series because what is what's the price difference between the se and the series 3 it's only like what 20 30 bucks the series 3 is 279 and i believe okay. The Series 3? Is the Series 3 250? Let's look this up I, real quick. Yeah, let's do a, a live uh, check here of what, what the price is. I'm gonna go Apple Watch Because, here, I, yeah, series if I remember three. correctly, the, the price difference is not worth it. Like, get the better one. Oh, what, 199 <laughs> So Okay, so 170 bucks. That actually is a decent price. Still not worth it, but <laughs> that is a... Well, no, it's, so it's 200 for the Series 3. And how much for the SE? 280 279 yeah, 280 So, so it's an $80 bucks. difference. Yeah, not worth it. In my oh, opinion, totally my your eighty dollars is your eighty dollars is much better served going with an SE. In my opinion, there's just the the display is better, uh, you know, bigger screen sizes. Uh, I'd have to like look at the spec sheet, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head that no. makes a Series Three better than the SE. Oh no, not at all. Um, yeah, there's yeah, skip it. Uh, we don't even talk need to talk about it anymore. anymore. I, there's obviously something in the back end, some kind of number that Apple needs to hit, and that's why the, the Series 3 is still here. But besides that, no reason to even pay attention to it. They should have just dropped the price of the SE and just made that 199 and called it a day. But Which I'm sure their eventual plan is to do that, but until then, skip, skip the 3. That brings us to the iPhone 13, though, because this very much, you know, kind of like the Series uh, 7, Tons of rumors here, and uh, most of it actually was correct. I mean, the phone is the phone that we got. Why don't you uh, run us through what we got with the iPhone 13? So the iPhone 13 is essentially what we are expecting from the leaks and the rumors. So you've got the exact same design. It's got the aluminum chassis, which looks super nice. You've got that diagonal camera setup. You've got the same screen sizes, 5.4 on the 13 mini, 6.1 on the 13. Uh, you've got, surprisingly, the cinematic video mode, which we were calling portrait mode video sort of in the rumor mill is actually here on the 13 and 13 mini that's a surprise um but correct me if i'm wrong matt no real improvements on the physical camera units themselves besides sensor shift stabilization which is on the wide lens um yep you're yep. getting the a15 bionic processor inside bigger battery life it, the rumors are pretty spot on with what this was going to be it's a very iterative update over the 12 mini and the 12. Yeah, the, the 13 is, like like we said last week, if you're looking to upgrade your phone and you have the iPhone 12, the 13 is not it, probably. Because yeah. the differences are just, they're mainly software. They're not coming to the iPhone 12, so you're not going to be able to update your phone and get them. But 
it's all mainly like software stuff. So unless the cinematic mode is like what you've been waiting for your entire life, the 13 is probably not the way to go. What do you think about the colors? I, I was at first I was like, oh, I like these colors. But now that I look at them, I kind of don't like them. <laughs> You know, to be honest, I've never been much of a color fan or anything. I'll always buy like silver or space gray or black. And I like how Apple now, they don't call it white. And do they don't call it black? They call it midnight. And they have all these different names Starlight. and everything. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, it's just, I think the iPhone 13 and 13 mini are great phones. And I wasn't expecting much from it. And I think that the rumors were pretty spot on. This is exactly what we got. I actually, actually, I guess there were some pleasant surprises here. Again, cinematic video and photo stylization mode, whatever Apple's calling it, yep. two camera features that we thought were just for the Pro are on the 13 Mini and 13. And also, no price increase, which is nice to see. So a yeah. couple of pleasant surprises here on the 13 and 13 Mini. And if you are sort of waiting to get a new iPhone, then by all means, 13 and 13 Mini are going to be great. Oh, absolutely, but like, yeah. But like Matt said, if you have a 12 or 12 Mini, I see no reason to upgrade Unless you really are a fan of the A15 Bionic and you really <laughs> want to have cinematic video mode, um, but I don't think that's worth the hassle and the price of upgrading. It just I, I think that this is a great update. If you have an older iPhone, go for it. Be happy. But if you've got a 12 or 12 mini, wait another year for sure. Yeah. And one thing that we totally glossed over because even Apple themselves really glossed over it is the smaller notch. So that is real. It is 20% smaller, although it is a little taller. It's... It's less yeah, it wide, is. but it is a little taller. But overall, it is smaller. Um, Apple mentioned this one time, and they <laughs> have never brought it up again. So I don't know yeah, why. They obviously like, don't want to pay attention too much to it, but yeah. So I when, uh, we were watching the stream yesterday. Matt and I were on a conference call, and we were talking about this. And I asked Matt and our producer, Ralph, uh, I said, is that notch really smaller? Because it doesn't look any smaller to me. I guess it is when you look at it side by side. But not only did they really gloss over it very fast, but... One of the rumors that was kind of in limbo that could come with a software update, but I'm not sure at this point because Apple didn't touch on it at all, was Face ID. That we had sort of speculated yeah. that we could get next generation Face ID technology that maybe would be better with masks and foggy glasses and stuff like that. Apparently that's not a thing. Face ID technology, I guess, really hasn't changed at all since the iPhone 10. I guess... There was some speculation that one year with the 10s maybe it got a little improved. I think it could um, capture a wider angle, I think, of like the, the depth yeah, of that's where right. that dot projector yeah. went. But really not that much has changed. And again, this year with the 13 and 13 Mini, notch is smaller, but no change as far as we uh, are aware uh, of the uh, actual Face ID technology. So it's going to be basically the same. Yeah, and I, I would... I would bet that that's why they didn't talk about it very much because there's nothing really to say. Like they said, they fit all the stuff in this smaller space and that's about it. I don't know. I, I'm not, I wasn't really expecting much of a, like a revolutionary update to the, to face ID or to the notch. So I, at least they're, they're doing no. something. They're not just completely forgetting about it, but yeah, Apple doesn't want you to pay attention to the notch very much. Let's talk about the 13 pro and pro max. Another case of sort of status quo that the rumors and leaks were sort of right though. The rumors and leaks certainly missed the mark on the Pro and Pro Max more than they did on the 13 and 13 Mini. Uh, one of the surprises right off the bat, Sierra Blue. Yeah. Did anyone call that? That was a no. surprise. Yeah, that was the biggest surprise of it all. And also, I don't like that color very much. I'm sure in person it'll look no, a little neither better. Do I. But yeah, that's not my color. That's not the one I'm going to be getting for sure. Uh, but there is no bronze model. There's no black, space black model like was rumored. It's the same space gray uh silver wait 
what color? What am I missing here? Space you gray, got gold, silver, silver go- gold. Space, That's what yeah. it is. And then this new Sierra blue. They dropped the midnight blue. Is that what it was called before? Pacific blue. Pacific blue. Midnight green, that. Pacific blue. Yeah, there we go. These names, I swear, I can't keep up with them. <laughs> Sierra Blue is now your new blue color. It's a basically baby blue, sky blue. And, you know, I'm not mad at the color. It looks nice. It's just not personally for me. Uh, what else did they do in the Pro that was either expected from a rumor or was not expected at all? So let me kind of run down the list here. So expected 120 hertz ProMotion. It's there. Hooray. Variable refresh rate. I think it could go up to 120 hertz and then down i think to as low as 10 10 yeah um i might be wrong on that yeah no, so 10, yeah. it'll vary uh vary the refresh rate depending on what you're doing which is cool to see um something we thought could have come though it was very speculated if it was going to come or not wasn't always on display that is not there and this is a classic example of the technology supports it this ltpo technology that allows for variable refresh rates does allow for it always on display to be on in an ultra low power mode but that's just not there for one reason or another so kind of disappointing um we do have some updates to the camera so like the rumors suggested the ultra wide lens is improved f1.8 aperture and also autofocus there hooray and then surprising here was an upgraded telephoto lens, now 3x optical zoom, if you want to get a little bit more zoom out of there, and also a new macro mode for photography and videography, which is very cool to see. Um, Other highlights include cinematic mode is here. Um, You have the new photo stylization mode, and then ProRes video support is here as well, so the rumors are pretty true on that. Uh, but the rumors were missing. What's not true is uh, orange bronze color didn't happen. Matte black option didn't happen. Uh, no better face ID. And also one of the most confusing, again, from multiple sources was satellite connectivity that yeah. doesn't seem to be there at all. So this is just another case where if you listen to the leaks and rumors, you might have been surprised on what came here with the iPhone 13 uh, Pro and Pro Max. But like a lot of years, we always hear a lot of hype about, uh, about what's going to be with these phones. And then like at the last minute, things change. And um, very interesting. I can't remember uh, as kind of looking at the event uh, as a whole a year prior that the leaks and rumors were so wrong. I think it wasn't so bad on the uh, iPhone 13 side, but really with the Series 7, I think that that really took things down a peg. And I think for all of those who are watching the event in real time, seeing that Series 7 that Apple introduced sort of knocked the wind out of you and kind of led the momentum down a little bit and just kind of made it a little bit slower. And then what was really weird at the end too is that when they got to the iPhone uh, section, they sort of just blasted through it. Oh, there wasn't any so time fast. to really explain yeah. things. They just bam, bam, bam. So, uh, Matt, did I miss any of the highlights? Was that sort of it for the pro I side of things? Th- I think that's about it. The biggest thing that I'm happy about is that the Pro and the Pro Max are sharing the same features and the same camera and all that stuff. It's the same phone. The difference is the sizes. I guess one thing we didn't mention is that all the phones have a better battery life. There were mm-hmm. some rumors that it was going to only be like the bigger models. Maybe the Mini wasn't going to get a bigger uh, battery. But from what Apple said... Each phone not only has a bigger battery physically, but also the processor and all the uh, optimization, everything is leading to better battery life. So the Mini and the Pro Max, sorry, let me say that again. The Mini and the Pro have 1.5 hours more than the previous iPhone 12 versions. And the regular 12 and the Pro Max have 2.5 hours more. So if that is true, great, because more battery life is always a good thing. Um, And I'm glad that actually turned out to be true. 
I didn't check. Is the phone actually bigger for that bigger battery, or did they just rearrange the insides? I know there were some rumors I be, that I it was I believe going to it be is a little. I believe it is a little heavier, and I'm, I'm presuming a little thicker too. So I think you are getting a, a slightly bigger phone, which is weird because last year, going back to the iPhone 12, we went from bigger batteries to smaller batteries. They decreased yeah. the battery size. So it seems like every year they sort of flip flop. They go from uh, bigger batteries to smaller batteries, back to bigger batteries. But hopefully, battery life is better. And also for those of you who are really into Apple SoC, just so you know. Um, there's a small difference here with the pros. They have a six core GPU, where the 13 and 13 mini have a five core GPU. No, no and it's also uh, five and four. Five and four. Sorry. Yeah. There you go. Thank you, Matt. Five and four. Also interesting to note here is I heard this from, I think, another podcast. When Apple talked about the A15 Bionic, they didn't compare it to the A14. Yeah. They compared it to the leading competitor. So some variation of whatever Snapdragon, <laughs> Qualcomm chip, whatever it is. Uh, so I guess the performance increase here isn't monumental, which to be fair, it doesn't have to be. Apple Silicon is still crazy good. So uh, I'd expect this thing to be able to fly through anything. And I mean, I guess with the A15 and the ProMotion and the better camera stuff, um, I think this is like the Series 7 where if you have a 12 Pro or Pro Max, unless you are an enthusiast, Probably not a big reason to upgrade to these new phones, but if you've got a 10 or a 10s, um, maybe even 11 Pro or 11, this might be a good year to upgrade. You're going to be happy with sort of the upgrades that you get. Yeah, definitely, I agree. It's it's very much the same boat. I am one of those enthusiasts. I have like, I've said this last week and I've said this many times, but I have the uh, uh, 12 Pro Max, and I'm tired of that size. So I'm excited to get all the new features in that smaller size. I don't have to compromise my pocket and the weight and all that kind of stuff and my tiny little thumbs, which can't reach the screen at all. I'm excited to get back to that 6.1 inch screen. And, you know, they really did a lot more camera improvements for the pros than I was expecting. Mm -hmm. I like, mm -hmm. I knew they were going to do something with software. Obviously they always do that. Uh, we did get smart HDR four. That was not rumored, mm -hmm. um, but that is a pretty big deal. Their smart HDR. Every time they do a new improvement to it really seems to take better photos than the year before. I'm also interested about this, um, what is it called, that you know, stylized mode where you can change. Yeah, photo what... stylization mode or whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah, because I'm one of those people that does edit my photos off the phone. And if I could, there, there's always one or two things that I do to almost every single photo. Like I like it a little warmer or I like it a little cooler. So if I could just, you know, I'm in this scenario, I can adjust it before I take the photos. Maybe it saves me a few minutes in post. That, that'll be interesting. What I want to talk about real quick is the cinematic mode and the uh, ProRes. Mm -hmm. Who is this for? Like, it seems like it's it seems like it's one of those things where Apple knows tons of people create content with their phones, but more importantly, people want to create content with their phones. Like, they're not going to be picking up a, a big camera. They're not going to be doing that anytime soon. They they use their camera on their phone to record videos that they put on YouTube that, you know, maybe millions of people watch, maybe 10 people watch, anywhere in between there. It seems like something where, I don't know, I, I just don't see it really being all that good, to be honest. I, I, I can see in certain situations you get like a nice rack focus and the blur looks perfect, but I don't buy it. I, I just don't think it's going to look that good. <laughs> Apple loves to show off a lot of demos and talk about a lot of crazy things. About, oh, look at this. We shot on an iPhone and look at all the people shooting exclusively on iPhone. The demos they have, it looks fine, but I don't know many people shooting Hollywood cinematic 
real short films on their iPhones. I know a lot of people who like to shoot TikToks and YouTube videos and just random clips and vlogs on their iPhone. And uh, that is not the same people who would probably be using this cinematic mode or even ProRes. And ProRes, like, it's nice to see, but there's all these weird limitations to it, how it doesn't really work in 4K with a 128-gigabyte iPhone. And also, the file sizes are huge. And it seems like it's nice to sort of tout this. And there are some people who... I know who have expressed a lot of enthusiasm about this, who are very into the specs of the pro end cameras on the iPhone and what you can do. It's amazing with the video on the iPhone. But I think when it comes down to it, is it really going to be a good thing or a useful thing? Or is this just something that Apple can sort of have on their spec sheet to say, look at what we can do. A great example of this is um, seeing people who don't know what smart HDR is or not. And that's why HDR, um, I'm sorry, what was it? Dolby Vision HDR from Dolby last Vision, year. Yeah. Uh, I'm in just a ra- random Facebook group for Final Cut users, for Final Cut Pro, and people like do Q&A and stuff. And I will tell you that at least two or three times a week, there is a post from someone that says, I shot this video on my iPhone. I put it in a Final Cut. It is super blown out. How do I fix it? <laughs> yeah. And there is a lot of people who don't even care about Dolby Vision HDR, who are just frustrated by the complexity of having to fix it in post. Um I think there's a lot of that there. I think that there are some people, I think a small but vocal group of people who really like all the improvements, who really do push their iPhone to the max, but also a lot of people who just want to take good looking photos and videos. I think just good 4K60 with good color reproduction is great. I love to shoot B-roll on my iPhone clips. It's just so easy to take this out, shoot a little video, and then airdrop it and have it back. Just all I care about is just that it can shoot good looking 4K60 video, uh, good color reproduction, High quality, that's all I care about. I can't think of of a time I'm ever going to use cinematic video. I probably won't use ProRes video because I think the quality is good enough as it is. I don't really see a need to push it even more. And I do think that there is something to be said about uh, the argument that no matter how much you want to kind of juggle this around, it's still an iPhone. You still are limited by the physical sensor and the physical hardware. And iPhone footage, as good as it looks still looks like iPhone footage. You're not going to think, uh, make anyone um, be fooled that you have a, a red Komodo where you're shooting on a black magic Ursa. It's an iPhone and you can tweak it and you can process it and it looks good, but it's still just an iPhone. Exactly. And I'm struggling in my head whether or not this is because this is our job. We literally make videos for a living. So we know all the ins and outs and we know what we're going to use, what's going to look really good, what's not. And the other side of me is thinking that people would love this just because in their head, it makes it look really good and it's going to look better than normal for most situations. So I'm, I'm in the middle there debating which way it's going to go for me. The bigger issue is that cinematic mode only works 1080p 30 up to, uh, I'm a very big 4k proponent, especially in the iPhone. I want the most quality I can get out of the iPhone because it is iPhone footage. Like you said, so the highest quality I can get the better. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like you said, the 128 gigabyte not being able to do ProRes 4K, it can only do 1080. That, well, first of all, ProRes on the iPhones can only go up to 4K 30, which is fine for most things, but I shoot pretty much everything on the iPhone in 60 because, again, more quality. Uh, I can slow it down. It makes it look a little better. There's just more flexibility in post. Um, but 1080, that just leads me to believe these file sizes are going to be so big. And then I'm yep. going to have to airdrop them to my phone or to my computer. That's just going to, it's going to be such a mess. I want to try it. The only reason I could see it being really good is because uh, the colors in ProRes is 
typically much more robust and you can adjust them a lot more. Um, I've never had a problem editing iPhone footage on my MacBook Pro, so I, I don't see needing the optimization of ProRes. But if there was some kind of quality bump that was really noticeable, I'm, I'm down for that because, like you said, we do shoot a lot of stuff on the iPhone. But, yeah, I, I'm just not that excited for it. It's cool to have. I think it's nice that Apple's continuing to make the camera system better and better. But in my opinion, my use case, I will just be sticking to 4K60 in the app. I don't see a reason to use ProRes. I don't see a point where I'm going to use cinematic video mode because I don't usually shoot like talking head stuff on an iPhone. Cool to have, but I guess... I don't know if it's that big of a deal or not. I guess we'll we'll see when we get yeah. the phones sort of in our hands. And I guess, Matt, before we sort of dive into something we promised last week, which is how to get the iPhone on launch day, any final thoughts? I mean, like most things here, leaks are pretty much spot on in terms of what we were expecting to get. There were some surprise things that didn't come. Um, but in terms of the designs, the same promotion is there, smaller notch. Uh, how excited are you for this iPhone? And do you think that this is a worthwhile upgrade and a substantial upgrade uh, sort of in the larger iPhone ecosystem? Yeah, I, I'm I'm mildly excited, mainly for me personally, just to get that smaller size. I'm ready for a new phone. I'm ready for to get rid of this Max. Like I said, I, I, I'm really over this Max size. I can't, tell, I can't say it enough. Um, that being said, though, which are you going to get? We're both going to get the new iPhone, but what, what are you going to be ordering? So my choice here is, so screen size, well, I guess pro or regular, I go pro just because I do like the sort of extra versatility of the camera system, and I do want to experience the ProMotion display. Uh, so I'm going to go pro, uh, 6.1 inch for me. I don't need the Max, so 6.1 inch just makes more sense. I like the form factor better. Uh, for color, if I had a choice on what I'd prefer, I'd probably just go silver space gray because i don't really care but because we do a lot of video and we shoot a lot of b-roll of new phones i'm going to have to go or at least try to go with sierra blue just because that's the phone that you can shoot that you know is the new color so you know it's the 13 as opposed to looking very similar to the iphone 12 pro because every other color sort of does to the untrained eye and then capacity, I'm just going to go 128. I've always sort of done just the base capacity just because I don't need one terabyte. I don't need half a terabyte. Um, I store most things in the cloud. I have iCloud Photo Library that does all my photo storage. Don't have a bunch of apps. Uh, I just don't need uh, the extra storage space for the money. I know that there are now inherent limitations that I can't shoot 4K ProRes. But like I just said, I'm probably not going to shoot ProRes video anyway. So 128 gigabytes for me is just fine. And that is what I have pre-ordered and ready to go uh, when pre-orders launch and open up on Friday. What about you? Yeah, I'm pretty much in the same boat. Like I said, I'm going regular pro. I'm debating between silver and space gray. I don't want that blue. I, I, that blue doesn't, even for B-roll. I'll, I don't I'll like live it, with, but I'll live with gotta it. Gotta do it. But yeah, I have the silver right now, and I'll probably go space gray just to switch it up a little bit. Um, but I'll, I always get the 256 because I do shoot a lot of video on my phone. I'm not expecting to be shooting a ton of ProRes or anything like that, but I do want that ability if I ever need it, which who knows? Maybe it'll be like the new thing I do all the time. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much what I'm going to be getting. That being said, we wanted to discuss the ways that you can get these phones because when pre-orders launch, it can sometimes be pandemonium. It can be really stressful for us here on the West Coast. We have to get up super early. Um, yep. So yeah, w let's talk about some tips on how to best get the iPhone so that's one, you don't have to rush to the Apple store on release day and like scramble and try to get one. And two, 
that you can actually get the phone you want when you want. Right. Because that's that's really seems to be the issue when pre-ordering iPhones. It's getting the one you want and getting it in a timely manner. Right. So Apple actually is changing things up this year. They actually seem to have something new that they've never done before, which is like this pre-order thing where you can sort of go in and configure the phone you want and then save it, which I'll get back to that in a second. But first, sort of some basic tips here right off the bat what you should do. First things first, I'm sorry to say this, but if you want the phone on launch day, you have to get up when pre-orders open. <laughs> I know it sucks. I yeah. know it's maybe inconvenient if you're at the office at 8 a.m. on the East Coast. If you're on the West Coast, 5 a.m. is a little early and it's you got to get up. But it's just the harsh reality that I can't remember a time when you are able to log on during the middle of the day and still get the iPhone of your choice. Sometimes there are instances where the updates aren't that big, which is kind of this year, that maybe you could log on a little later and still get the phone you want. But to play it safe and to be guaranteed and have the best shot of getting the phone you want, you've got to get on white right when pre-orders are uh, going live. Also, a tip here is to check uh, a website like time.gov. You want to make sure that as soon as 5 a.m. Pacific or 8 a.m. Eastern hits, you want to start refreshing um, and you just have to be up for that uh, time. I know you want to sleep in. I know you want to do other stuff, but <laughs> if you want your phone on launch day, you got to be up at the time pre-order start because uh, it's sort of uh, first come, first serve and anything sort of goes. It's like the Wild West. As soon as those pre-orders uh, open up, things can get a little crazy. Yeah, exactly. I just realized I'm in Utah now, so I'm in mountain time, so I don't have to get up to Oh, you six. get an extra. You, yeah. That's, that's even better. Getting up at 6 uh, is, like, I, doable. Like, that's normal, uh, you know? Because <laughs> so, it's like 5 a.m., that means, okay, I got to get up at, like, 4.45, exactly. kind of wake myself up, walk over, and kind of get ready. Um, the other thing that I'll mention here, too, regardless of what Apple's doing this year, is it's always good to have multiple Apple Store instances open, which means... It's always best to have the Apple Store website on your computer and then the Apple Store mobile app because it seems like over the recent years, it's been sort of a crapshoot on which one does better. Sometimes the web portal is up uh, ahead of time and you can get on there first. Sometimes the app is open ahead of time. So it's sort of like, again, anything goes. But if uh, you want to kind of maximize your chances, have the Apple Store um, website open on your uh, computer have the app on your phone or iPad and sort of refresh both of them because usually one opens before the yep. other. Which one is going to be first this time? We don't know, but just have both open and you should be good to go. Yeah, and then I the we kind of mentioned this before, but probably the the best way to get the fastest checkout time because that's really what you're going for here. Once the store opens and everything is available, mm -hmm. you want to be able to check out as fast as possible because they go fast. So the way to do that is first have the product that you want saved. So right now you can go into the Apple store and you can actually configure which iPhone you want. And then you can, mm -hmm. well, so I haven't done the uh, the new way that they're doing it, but before you can just favorite that item so that it's already in your account and mm -hmm. you just select it. What is What are they doing differently this year? Is it kind of the same thing? It's just so like this more... is, it's, it's similar, but it's very different. So like Matt said, the trick in years past was to go on the Apple website, price out the model you wanted and then favorite it. So then when the, uh, store came back up, you didn't have to go through the whole configurator. You could just go to your favorites. Okay, I want this color, this capacity. You could go and check out. That saved you a ton of clicks and usually a lot of time. This time now, uh, you can actually go into the app and you configure the phone you want. So uh, which screen size you want, whether it's pro or regular, the capacity, the color, the carrier. I'm not sure if you're putting in your carrier information or just uh, kind of 
choosing which carrier you want. I did unlock, so it just kind of bypassed that for me, um, whether you want to do a trade-in or not. And then you sort of lock in your phone. Then it asks you if you'd want to add any accessories or anything like that. Uh, you can add those in. Then it asks you your preferred method of payment, whether you want to put in an, uh, a credit card or debit card information or if you want to use Apple Pay. And then you sort of save it. So this is, again, new. I don't know how this is going to work, but it's sort of in the save state. And you get an email that says, hey, you're ready for pre-order time. So presumably, I guess it's going to work very similar to the favorites is that when the App Store opens up um, on Friday morning, you can just go to your pre-orders and just go right to checkout, which is sort of a uh, best case scenario and saves you a bunch of steps. Yeah, exactly. So having the product saved, that's a really important step. The next important step is having all of your information ready to go. So Mm -hmm. We like to buy unlocked phones, but most people, I don't think, do that. They go through a carrier. So making sure you have all your carrier information. I know a lot of, I know a lot of times you need your social security number. You need your address. Mm -hmm. First of all, make sure all that stuff is already up to date. Because if you have to go through and change stuff, that's just costing you minutes that you don't really have. Yep. And yep. that has happened to both of us in the past. And it is devastating, to say the least. <laughs> Like you, you're in there and then you have to change the address. And then by the time it finally oh. updates, because the website's slow already because so many people are on it, it's a mess. So just make go, go in before, make sure everything's up to date and have that information with you just in case you need to enter something in real quickly. Um, another thing I think that's important is to use Apple Pay if you can, because that will save mm -hmm. your shipping address. It'll have your card in there, obviously. It'll have your billing address. So you can just Apple Pay, scan your face, scan your thumb, and boom, you're done. You don't have to enter in a credit card. Um, but if for whatever reason you can't use Apple Pay, go into your Apple account now and enter in your payment method because it'll save that card. And then it's it's not quite as easy as Apple Pay, but it's very similar. It's a, It has your information there. So be sure to do that. Yeah, one of the things to remember if you haven't done this before, if this is new to you, is that um, the Apple Store website, if you were to go on it right now, everything's very smooth. You can click around, do your thing. When pre-orders go live, there is such a demand on the system that things are very slow and oftentimes things don't work. So trying to click from one page to other can take minutes. Sometimes you'll add something to your cart, but it doesn't add and go right away. So I would say that, again, to keep things best case scenario, um, pre-order your phone and pre-configure it in the way that you want. And also... I'd recommend doing the phone first before accessories or anything else. Absolutely, so accessories yeah. can wait. I would do separate orders. You want to do your phone first and foremost before you go back and do accessories because usually what happens is people get their phone in uh, to the cart, but then they add, go back and add accessories, and then the system crashes, and they can't complete their checkout, exactly. and it can become very messy. So you just can't uh, use a case if do you your phone, phone first. So. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, definitely um, do that. Another and, tip here. Yeah, what else? Oh, I was going to say, uh, another tip here is uh, if you have, no, well, I guess a couple things here. Uh, you have a couple options here on how you want to pick it up. You can either pick it up at a local Apple store or you can get it delivered. Uh, typically, I've done pickup and it's been very smooth. The nice thing about pickup too is that there have been years um, that there have been horror stories where UPS messes up and things get delayed and there's a hurricane and people don't get their phones on time. Yep. And there's like, you're stuck in tracking purgatory. The nice thing is if you do in-store pickup, your phone is sort of locked in for you. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to track it as it chips. You just walk into the Apple Store on launch day and pick it up, and you're good to go in your reservation window. That's easy. Um, or, like I said, you could also have it chipped to you directly as well. One way is not really better than the other, though I will say that typically it's just been way easier just to go to the Apple Store and get it. There's a lot less variables, a lot less chances you're taking. And in my case, it's just been kind of easier than having to wait for UPS to come and deliver the phone. Yeah, it really just depends how impatient you are. For me... I've done both. I've waited for UPS. I know here where I live now, UPS gets here around noon. 
So I could do a pickup of 8 a.m. and really get my phone quickly. And then, like you said, I, it kind of guarantees I'm going to get the phone. Um, and I also just kind of like going to the Apple store for and like launch days. It has a nice, you know, uh, atmosphere and like people are excited. It, it's just kind of fun. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just decide. But also, I know a lot of people just don't live near an Apple store, so it's not really possible. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, just choosing which way you want. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else that we should be thinking about for uh, pre-orders? What should we? Uh, what else are we missing here? Uh, two. My two more recommendations are: if all else fails, one is to check your carrier. So a lot of times you can get launch day delivery from Verizon, AT and T, T Mobile. So don't be afraid to look at carriers if Apple's having issues. They usually they usually go live at the same time. So yeah, typically, should, if yeah. Apple's launched and it's going slow, try Verizon or your carrier. Um, sometimes you can even buy the phones unlocked from other carriers. So maybe that's a little sneaky way you could do it too. And I think Best Buy and other stores will have it. And then if all else fails, if you cannot get a pre-order in time, but you really want to have your phone on launch day, there have been success stories by just going to the Apple store and waiting in standby lines. Usually Apple will have two lines at the store on launch day, the reservation holders for the different times for the reservation windows, and then sort of a standby line for those who are just waiting to get a phone just by chance. Typically, if you show up early enough and you are persistent and patient, you can probably get a phone on launch date. I don't know if it's going to be the color or specification you want. Usually I've seen that uh, the lower capacities, the more affordable models sell out quicker, so you might be stuck with a higher-end, uh, higher-capacity phone. Um, but if all else fails and you want your phone on launch date, then go to the Apple Store, maybe even Best Buy or something like that, hang around and see if uh, after a couple of hours, uh, if they have any phones left that you might be able to buy. Yeah, and you know these pretty much go for all the products as well. We, we're talking about iPhone, but if you're wanting mm -hmm. that Apple Watch or that iPad when they come out, that's pretty much the best way to do it. Um, yep. Yeah, we've how many years have we done this in a row now? I know we've done it this way at <sighs> least lot. like four years, probably more than that. But at least four years, we've gone through the app, we've you know saved it, we've done all that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's kind of like in the back of our head. Like we just know what to do now. And every year yeah. there's one thing that goes wrong. And the next year we're like, okay, let's not do it that way. <laughs> and, uh, it seems, it seems to work fine. We've always gotten iPhones. It's crazy because some years things just seem to go wrong in every direction. The store is down. The store will come up like 20 minutes late and everybody's waiting around and it's slow. And then other years things are better. I will say that I have noticed that when Apple has staggered the launch of phones, that has gone traditionally better for pre-orders because there's less demand. And I think this year, there's a couple of, of advantages here. One is that the design uh, change is not significant. The changes to the 13 uh, lineup aren't significant. So hopefully there is a little less demand. And also, there is no Apple Watch launching at the same time as well. So it's just iPhones. There's no other products. So hopefully that makes things a little bit smoother. And hopefully this is a year that's just easy, breezy. You just soar through it. And by 5.05, you're done. You can put your phone <laughs> down and go back to bed or continue your day and you'll be good to go. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean... That's pretty much it for all the stuff that we got. Well, real quick, what we didn't get, we didn't get AirPods 3. So we're, I guess we're still expecting that at some point. Nope. Like those have been, those have been rumored for a while. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully we get them. Uh, what else did we not see? I think that's basically it of what, you know, we've had those, the features and stuff, but as, in terms of products, AirPods 3 is what we were expecting. Right. Um, real quick, we did get a question about the next event where maybe we'll see those AirPods 3. Do we want to uh, go through that real quick? 
Yeah, Brad, our uh, super fan who has been with us man, for years. Brad, yeah. thank you for your support. We appreciate it. He texted our Apple Circle hotline, and he mentioned that in this week's episode, you guys mentioned the second Apple event of the fall being in November. Has there been any evidence pointing to November, or is this your guess based on last year's events? Great question, Brad. Um, I don't have, I can't think of any sources that claim November. That's just kind of my guess. Uh, last year, if you remember, there was September, October, November, so there was uh, a month-over-month -month change uh, in events. There could be an October event this year, but it would make maybe sense if Apple could sort of space it out a bit to sort of space out the launch of the iPhone and presumably the Apple Watch and then have a fall event that goes over AirPods 3 and Macs and stuff like that. Um, no evidence I can think of for a November event. That just sort of makes the most sense to me. What about you, Matt? What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm thinking too. Because by the time these products come out, it's going to be like the 24th of September, right? So then they could, mm -hmm. I guess they could do like a mid to late October event or they could do an early November event. Basically what Apple needs to do or what they want to do, what they typically do, is they want to make sure they beat the, the holiday rush so that all the products are ready to go when people are out buying gifts for their family members and all that that the products that they want, mm -hmm. that they just saw in the keynotes are available and they're ready to be purchased. So November at the latest, but it could very well be an October event as well. Either way though, I think we are, I mean, nothing's confirmed as we have learned, um, but I think we are expecting at least one more event <laughs> from Apple this year. Yes. Hopefully we get those new M1X, MacBook Pros, maybe AirPods 3. Uh, I, at this point, the leaks and rumors have not proven to be very accurate. So who knows what we're going to see, but hopefully we get an event in the next couple of weeks uh, in October or November. Of course, if you guys have a question, I, I'm really curious. What are your thoughts on the Series 7 and the iPhone 13? Was this event a big thumbs up or a big thumbs down? Let us know by texting or calling our Apple Circle hotline, 949-354-3508, or you can tweet us on Twitter at the Apple Circle and let us know. Uh, Matt, this was a jam-packed episode. Oh, Thank yeah. you for bearing with my criticism of some of the <laughs> Apple things. I'm happy. I'm excited, and uh, by this time next week, we'll be very, very close to getting the iPhone 13 uh, Pros in our hands. Uh, any final thoughts before we sort of wrap things up? No, but like you, I'm semi-excited slash excited to get these new products in my hand, and it's just always fun when new stuff comes out and when we are uh, lucky enough to play with it, but yeah, I think that's it. We're, we're, I'm sure that as time goes on and the weeks go on, we're going to learn more about these products, learn more about what's coming out, so... There'll be plenty of stuff to talk about. We're in Apple season again, so things are about to get crazy. So thanks for listening, and uh, stay tuned for everything else that's going to come. See you guys next week.